Support for Oyster Road Radio comes from you, our listeners. If you'd like to support the show, visit the link in the show description or visit patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio. Your support helps me take on the challenges of a podcaster on the road and to keep bringing you those stories. A new addition to the Patreon page is that all of the $5 subscribers will also get an inside view to all of the interviews, how they came about, how did I meet this person, and then also some travel tips on the side. Your support means so much to me as I help you meet people that you would normally never meet. Become a Patreon today at patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio and support the show today. Welcome to Oyster World. Oyster World. Radio. Hello, Oysters, and welcome to another episode of Oyster World Radio, the podcast where we broaden our perspectives by listening to the stories of people from all over the globe. I'm Nathan Lieberman, and in this episode, we bring on the main man behind our Vietnam bike tour, Heng Min Tai. Tai had a rough start growing up in the aftermath of the Vietnam War, but started his own bike tour business. It's a fascinating story that really helped me think about my priorities. Tai and his family had to hunt for food because there just wasn't enough. Everything was centered around food. What were they going to eat today? It really makes me realize just how good I've had it. And to see Tai now, riding our little tour group through his old home, I can't help but realize how strong us human beings are. And even though our countries were at war only 43 years ago, we can still share a well-cooked fish. And with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Hangman Tai. Well, Tai, welcome to Oyster World Radio. We're really excited to have you on. We just got done with an amazing tour for four days through the Mekong Delta, which I didn't know much about the area before we started. And you were, well, fantastic in showing us literally every, not not every region, but a lot of the major regions and how people lived in Vietnam. And man, I don't think we could have had a better time. I don't think me and Jackie could have had a better time. So thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, so we are on our way back right now. We're sitting in the van and we've been able to talk a lot and you've been able to share a lot of the Vietnamese culture, which I'm excited to share with our listeners as well through your story. And you were, grew up here, which is an, an amazing part of the, of the tour, was the fact that you were able to not only show us a lot of Vietnamese culture and how people live, but how you specifically grew up in many ways. So let's get right into it. Let's get right into your story and, and, and get to know you a little bit better. Okay, now I'm, I'm exciting. <laughs> uh, I grew up in uh, Mekong Delta, the biggest delta of Vietnam. Yeah, so for the people that don't know about the Minh Cong Delta or haven't seen it on the map, it's in South Vietnam. It's around the very tip of South Vietnam or is, is down in the corner. So what, what is the Minh Cong Delta and like what makes it so special? Uh, as you know, that uh, Minh Cong Delta is the biggest delta of Vietnam with a population of 18 million. 18 million people. You can uh, imagine Mekong Delta itself like one country in Europe. Yeah. Uh, to make it a bit commemoration, Mekong Delta same size with Holland. Yeah. And very flat and same population with Holland. Yeah, I didn't know as, that. I didn't know that 
I mean, we, we passed a lot of towns, a lot of people, but 18 million people, that is, it is a, that is a small country. Yeah. Everywhere else in the world. Yeah. So you, and you grew up in a smaller town. And so there's obviously tons of different settlements from large cities, like the one we were just in with 500,000 people to small, small towns so spread I, out between the islands. Yeah. I grew up in a small town called Jagao. In our language, mean rice market. Okay. I think it's very peaceful town with uh, thirty thousand people. Uh, okay, so thirty thousand. Yep, uh, for the whole town, and of course we have um, main town and villages. And my hometown just two hours from Saigon, fifty miles away. Okay, so it's pretty close from the big yeah, city. Yeah, very very close from the big city, but very peaceful. And um, maybe you you might heard uh, flood in Mekong Delta. But my hometown very peaceful. So far, we have no flood. Okay, so just uh, dry season and wet season. Yeah, because we were talking about that a little bit. That there are some major floods yeah. that are obviously huge problems for smaller towns. But you were a little bit nestled yeah. away. And yeah, man, I gotta say it's paradise too. The, the fruit here is my absolute favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Along with all the other. My hometown eat. famous for chili. <laughs> For chili? Yeah. Oh, that's why you like the chilies yeah, so much. Yeah, I love chili so much. Yeah. So you guys grow a lot of chilies in your hometown? Um, yeah, my hometown is a mix between rice paddy, um, chili plantation, and of course other fruit as well. But we, we're famous for chili. We export a lot of chili and uh, dragon fruit. Oh, and dragon well. fruit too. Yeah. Yeah. And for the listeners out there, if you can imagine these just absolutely massive fields of rice with the winds going through it, and I'm sure the chili bushes too yeah. are everywhere, and these dragon fruit bushes with these purple, huge fruit hanging off them. It sounds like a lot like paradise, and I'm sure yeah. it was growing up. Yeah. So what was it like growing up for you? There, you're you're in a small village of Vietnam. I'm sure a lot of people out there have no idea what's the, what's that's like. So what? Yeah, I. What's uh, a normal day? What's um, a normal day for you when you're like eight years old? Yeah, I was born in 1985, and um, back to that time, Vietnam was very poor. Yeah. And my childhood, um, from 1985 to 95, Vietnam really isolated from the Western world. Yeah. In my childhood, our parents were very, very busy to make a living. So uh, I have to play with older kids. Yeah. That time, we must play outdoor because... We have not enough electricity and no fan at home. So I really learned a lot from, uh, from older kids. I learned to, how to swim by myself when I grow up. How did you do that? You just jump in and, and start I, swimming? We, we, we were told that you can chop the banana trunk. Yeah. Or you hold... We, we chop the water coconut yeah. and keep it keep us uh, float. And okay, then, so you made yourself some floating device. Yeah, yeah. Went out into the Mekong. Yep. It started swimming around. Yeah, and we we have no chance to talk to our parents because they so busy. So they were just yeah. constantly. Working. Yeah, they work really hard, and uh, from six o'clock in the morning until night time. Yeah. Was it, so? Did you? Was there a break? Was there a weekend for them, or was um, it just? They they work like three hundred and sixty days a year. So they get five days off a year. Yeah, and that's after, it. yeah, New Year, and that's it. Um, but I learned a lot of survival skill from older kids. 
Yeah. We even we uh, collect something left after the war, like bullets, uh, gunpowder, to make our own toys. Yeah. So this is absolutely just mind blowing to me. So you would find bullets or unexploded bullets in the ground. Yeah. Uh, yes. Or leftover. Um, yes. Uh, you near, make your own rockets. So how yeah, did you do that? Um, near where I grew up, uh, I were told that it was American base. Yeah. And after American left, they they threw everything into the river. Oh, really? And uh, when it low tide, me and the other kids we use a basket to get the mud from from there, and then we wash the mud as something left in the basket. That, okay. That gunpowder or bullets or sometimes grenades. We we just so curious. We must we must make fun of it. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, We use uh, silver paper from cigarette box to wrap the gunpowder. Yeah. And when you cook, cook it, it fly like a mini rocket. <laughs> um, and sometimes we try to cook the bullet. Oh man! Just watch That's, it explode. That's yeah. really dangerous, but nobody oh, really know. But we, yeah, uh, we That's don't. What we, we do? You yeah. just. We, so we put that into the pot and cook it, and we run away, maybe a hundred meters away, yeah. and wait until it's bang, yeah. and then we laugh. Of uh, course. Yeah, but after that, uh, some of my friends they try to hit the bullet. Uh, they're just curious, and it's, some of them get very bad injured. Oh wow! It, it and, did. It exploded and hurt. And people. then the parents and local police they said, if you find something from the war. You sell, you take it to to police station, and you can get some money to buy your own toys. Oh, so okay. stay far so away from that. Yeah, yeah, and but but that's my childhood. How I how I grow up. So you say survival tactics too. So your parents were obviously working really hard, which yeah. means that you had to be very self sufficient by yourself, whether that's playing or just yeah. you had a lot of hours in the day to for so, yourself. So after school, we. Um, Before dinner, I took the basket to the garden and looked for some eatable leaves yeah. and vegetable. Yeah. Um, we have a slingshot. We have a knife, stick. Uh, we have seasonal food. For example, when after we harvest the rice, me and my friend and a few dogs, we jump into the rice paddy, look for rats. Right. Really? Uh, we we ate rats. It's, it's very normal and. Um, Oh yeah. We also like have a can. season for uh, cricket. Yeah. Uh, cricket, fried cricket is very yummy, very good. Uh, my childhood, we, we we must eat all that. Also, we with the stick, we can you know sometimes catch uh, gecko or lizard. Yeah. And that also eatable. It's my childhood all about food. Yeah. Um, because that time. Vietnam was closed. We have no support from overseas, and we have no fertilizer, and we have to pay back the debt after the war. So very, very poor. My yeah. childhood, all about food. I I like everything have sweet taste. Yeah. For me, um, the best thing ever before ten years old was condensed milk. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, know, it's if, so if, great now. Yeah, like, if you're hungry right? and you have chance to to drink it direct from the can, that's just Paradise. That's one of my Especially best thing. Yeah, and we could have uh, chicken egg once a week. Once a week. Yeah, because egg. that time we didn't have chicken farm, so all the eggs for the next generation of chicken. Yeah. Is, 
it, yeah. You had to keep growing the chicken population, keeps, yeah, so yeah, you can't have yeah, can't so, have uh, so it was a lot of your childhood was based around food, finding food, scavenging, helping your family, because, like you said, at this time the borders were closed, so there was no real trade coming in and out. Yeah. You guys had to do what you can to survive in a really uncertain time, but. Do you think it was an enjoyable childhood um, too? Yeah, I, I, I'm very happy that I, I've been all through that. And, yeah. Uh, and make me feel stronger, you know, and really learn a lot. And, yeah, I'm sure you learned not only survival tactics, yeah. but a lot about yourself and what you can take. Exactly right. Yeah. Everything else probably doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So you were, you were there until 18, and it seems pretty common that well, that's when high school lets out too, so it's the same as the U.S. system in that way, where after 18, you're done with high school or the mandatory school, and you can go off, but you decide to make a big change. You you weren't that far from Saigon, but Saigon is but, giant. Yeah, but we have no chance to go to Saigon, and, uh, because everything is expensive, and yet I have no relative there, actually. Yeah. So Saigon is another world, another country for me. Yeah. Well, even before that, I even forgot we need to back up. There was... In high school, you had a pretty big moment in your life. So uh, in your childhood, you a lot of things were about food. You you didn't get to travel a whole lot because your parents were constantly working. But an Australian couple decided to, well, maybe not decided to, but came through your hometown on bikes. Yeah, so um, a lot of story I want to share about my family. At, um, my family have a background from China. So uh, they call our family the Chinese-Vietnamese. Yeah. And uh, during the war, my grandparents very good business man yeah. and we we very famous in that little town we uh, we didn't care during the war we didn't care communists we didn't care American and we just this business yeah and uh, after the war we uh, we lost everything to the new government so uh, our family after the war very very poor and uh, my grandparents have 14 children and we live in very very small house. Fourteen children. Yes. Yeah. Um, and after the war, they didn't allow my family to go to university. And some of my aunts and uncles think, oh, if you live in Vietnam, you have no future. Yeah. That's why they they took a chance. They um, they took a fishing boat, tried to escape to other country. A to, fishing boat. Yeah, fishing boat, from from fishermen, and they believe they they could go maybe to Singapore. Hong Kong. What would happen if they got caught? Well, uh, not only that, that's a hard journey. Itself. Yeah, that's, that's very dangerous. Very, very dangerous because they uh, most of the fishing boats not strong enough, and if the boat can carry fifty people, they try to to put two hundred people four times, and uh, a lot of people starve us and the, and they lost their life in the sea. But you know, um, we have no hope for Vietnam that time back to eighties. So my, my family, my aunt and uncle, um, because we have, I have too many aunt and uncle, so uh, yeah. that time I just called them by number. Yeah. So uh, well, my one aunt 14, six, right? yeah, yeah, one to 14. So uh, my aunt six and uncle 13, they, they took a chance. And lucky that they survived and they adapted to Holland. Yeah, so they made it all the way up yeah. to Holland. No, they make the way to Singapore. And they stay in Singapore for six months, and then they went for interview. Gotcha. And then they get adapted to, to Holland. Which is a long way. It's That's a long way. And um, because you know my family, we love to talk about history, family history. Yeah. 
every three years my family in Holland come back and they still share the story how could they survive into yeah. into Singapore and how how they live in uh, in Holland and also they still talk um, about family before the war end and after the war yeah to make our family stronger and And of course, yeah, family history. Is, yeah. Seems like you have a lot okay. of 14 aunts and uncles and a lot going on during yeah. this. So, uh, year to time. year 2000, uh, I was about 15 and first time I met my cousin who grew up in Holland. Same age with me. So they came back. They came back with their family. Um, and first time we, uh, first time I have a chance to travel. And that time I remember we traveled five days from Mekong Delta to the beach called Nha Trang. And then up to mountain called Dalat. Is this the first time you first time ever? Village? First time ever. Um, I go that far. Yeah. Um, and it's, it really, really, I, I think it's dream come true. I, have no charm to travel like that. And first time I stay in at the hotel. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of uh, yeah, eye-opening experiences. Yeah. Uh, wow, there's a lot out here. And we even uh, we, we get along very well with our cousins. Yeah. We, we love each other. And uh, and from one day, Holland, right? yeah, yeah, from Holland. Uh, but of course, they they learn English, of course, better than Vietnam. And she's the right. first one who correct my English. Because at the village, we all learn English with Vietnamese teacher. Gotcha. And we we read and write a lot, but no speaking at all. Yeah. Uh, she's the one who correct me. I, I remember um, she asked me how to say fight or fire or fine or five. And I all say the same, five, five, five. Yeah. <laughs> and she's the one who correct No, English uh, have ending sound. You must pronounce it this way. And first time I realized, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I, I, before I say thank you very much. <laughs> and, Because the ending sounds. Is yeah, just, we don't we don't have in that Vietnamese, in our language. That's not, no, yeah. we, yes. and you have to almost train yourself to yeah. make those sounds again, especially the ch sounds. TH yeah, sounds. and and, and yeah, so my my eyes opened, and they say, okay, okay, that's that's different. And one year later, uh, I came to high school, and I, I, I feel that I love English. Because yeah. I, I wish one day I can come and visit my cousin in Holland. Yeah, so you had a motive too behind the English. Yeah, and uh, I have emotion to learn English. And, uh, and one day uh, I found one couple, they, they, just the white people, they call, we call them Westerner. Yeah. And they, they feel like they lost way. We recognize that they lost way and they, because they had... They they travel on the bicycle, but no guy with their dictionary and the map. And this is a time before a lot of technology, so they had, yeah. had a map and a compass, and yes. they were going through the, the Mekong Delta, yeah. which is probably a very tough place to follow maps and lots of trees, lots of nature. Yeah, yeah they were lost for sure. They, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they took lost. a wrong turn somewhere. Yeah, uh, and I came and asked them, you know. My friend pushed me. He's like, Ty, you have family from overseas. You speak some English. So yeah, maybe you out, can come help and help them. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I say. Yeah, so you went out I of tried. school and then you went to this couple. And then what happened? Um, I just came with some friends. But I one who speak up. Hello. How are you? And of course, they say something back. And I say, where are you from? 
Australia, and I I not really know where it's on the map. Yeah. But they they, I ask them again, may I help you? And they of course they know. They show me the map and they point to the city they want to go to. So yeah. uh, they point to Mithor, which about ten miles away from my village. Yeah. From my hometown. So. I talk to my friends. I translate that to my friends. Yeah, this couple want to go to Mithor City. So, because we finish school, when we have some bicycle too, say, yeah, how about we take them out of our town and yeah. show them the way? So, me and some friends, we cycle with them, and maybe three, four kilometers. And at the junction, we show them that way to Mithor City. Goodbye. See you again. Oh man! So I bet yeah, they were so, so happy make me too. Feel, they were they so happy grateful. and make me feel so happy. Yeah. Yeah, so this was probably a big moment for you because yeah, um, now you are in. This is your career. Yeah. This is the first time that you did a small bike tour for the Mekong Delta, yeah. helping a couple yeah. that was hopelessly lost in the winding roads of the Mekong Delta. And I think that that moment really, time. really something really changed my life. Yeah, because after that you decided to continue <laughs> you know, tourism. After that, I I was a bit famous in my school. Yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah, you're the one that helps. Yeah, yeah. So it feels so great, and I want to be a tour guy in future. And uh, yeah, and two years later, I I want to be a tour guy. So after 18, I so you held on to that dream from that moment. You were yeah, just, from that moment. Yes. Okay. Tour guide is the way for me. Tour yeah. guide is the way I want to go. Yeah. And then you decided to pursue being a tour guide in the tourism industry it was a tourism school in Saigon yeah there's a few tourism schools in Saigon but uh, I get people at my hometown they they never heard about tour guide job before <laughs> what is tour guide and that's in Vietnam just opened recently we have not enough tourists yeah and they just think you know that's not a job that's something that's uh, not not quite a job especially in a time when you guys were growing up, the fact that you had to, you know, almost survive in some ways, I'm sure your parents would want you to do something more stable or something more well known because it's maybe a little uncertain. You, um, the one who tried to, to going hungry. Yeah, the one who tried to stop me. Not my parents. My I have great parents. So they they were mechanic. Yeah. They they run a bike shop, a motorbike shop. Oh, okay. And. They, they, they quite okay. They're very open-minded. They uh, just tell me I can do whatever I want, but they don't want me to be a bad boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the most <laughs> just be, important. Just be a good person. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. can do what you want. Yeah, and uh, I fell at university. I get, came to vocational school. Two years after six months, uh, my my uh, my school have a year-end party. Yeah. And at the year-end party, I met some friends from Africa. And they, they come here because they want to be uh, a professional soccer player. Right. So I made friends with them because I want to practice my English. And that was the only way to communicate with them. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Obviously, they didn't speak Vietnamese. No, they know Vietnamese. And this so. is when the, the border opened, too. So yeah. now other people from other countries are starting to come in and tourism starting to grow. And this, the professional soccer team is starting to grow yeah. at the same time. So you got your tourism certificate right at the right time. And this part of your life is pretty chaotic, yeah. I would say, in a good way. Yeah. Because you're, you're making these friends from another country, from an African country, here to play soccer. And at the year-end party, you got to meet them. 
I feel like that was a big moment in your life too. Yeah, and uh, and we we made very good friends. I took them back to my hometown, showed them around. I can practice my tour guide job. Yeah, I can practice English. Yeah, and uh, show friends about my hometown. And finally, they have a job, and they also introduced me to a football club, uh, which have a Scottish coach. And I work. Oh man! And I work as a soccer translator for him. So I I always have to laugh about this because you you were telling this this story earlier in the in the tour, yeah. and Scottish accents. Yeah. I had an interview with a Scottish guy, and his. <laughs> His accent is very, very strong. And yeah. as someone that's learning English, that must have been pretty hard. And you were the translator of the team. So. Yeah, but you know that's that's a chance for me because it's first if I work for him, uh, he pay less salary. Yeah. <laughs> and second, I'm very active and I know a lot about soccer. Oh, I so really it was love almost soccer. double. You were um, you were helping not yeah. only the team prepare, but yeah, you were he, able to because speak he English. he said uh, he. Could find another translator, but it's hard to find the one who know about football, yeah. soccer. And this was your first job, yeah, uh, in Saigon too. In Saigon, right? six months, six you months got stay this with them. Job. Yeah, and I I gain twenty uh, pounds because twenty pounds st- of muscle, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I stay with the professional team, and that's that's amazing time. Yeah, I'm sure for a young, uh, someone young in their career, coming out of tourism school. Getting to work in English, but also being really active, doing something left sounds like a real win. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> or a really uh, good time in your life. But in Vietnam, soccer is not professional. You know, they just sign a short contract. So after six months, my coach lost his job. Oh, <laughs> it means man. I lost my job too. And then I came back to my tourism school and finished my study. Yeah. And then, yeah, two thousand and five, and I I worked as a tour guide for. For backpackers, for students, for anybody who need me. Yeah. So then, because you were working on your English skill yeah. this whole time, and then you became, well, like you said, freelancers were usually the way to go Yeah. Uh, when you're first starting out because you don't have a lot of experience. How long did you do that for? Um, and was it just, what, what was this time of your life like? Were you making a lot of money at the freelance job, or was it just to just keep gaining experience? Did you know what you were doing, or was it something you were just figuring out along the way? What was this time in your life? Um, like that time, I was just twenty years old. So if I have a job, it's it's good. So I decided to move to backpacker area because that area, uh, a lot of small tourist company, yeah. um, and they don't need the. Uh, very very good guy because they have tourists different level and they don't want to pay much gotcha. and that's, I think that's a chance for me because backpacker they're not really complain yeah. <laughs> because they, they pay you know just a ticket right. and they're happy with with me because I I'm young and open and try to help them so I had, have good time and learn really learn a lot and I, I improve my English a lot uh, during Two three years, I, I stay at the backpacker area. Yeah, and you were able to be a guide for many different cultures. Yes, I'm different sure. culture. People yep. from all over the world, because the backpacking yep. world is a huge group of people from yeah, all over the world. Yeah, yeah and they all they they very friendly as well. I must say, I learn a lot from them. Yeah, and it seems like your career it, it just kind of kept 
building on itself. Because after this, you were a freelancer, and it, you still are a freelancer in some way. That's that's the career of a tour guide yeah. in Vietnam. But soon you were doing uh, bus tours and uh, international tours, and then you kept moving up and doing more things and getting bigger jobs and bigger gigs. But when we were talking before, it all came to a point when the bikes were introduced. This yeah. is probably the first time that you've seen this, too. What was that lunch? Because you said it was a lunchtime, right? When you saw them all. So can you take us through what happened at that lunch and when you saw that tour, what was going on in your head and why that was so important? Um, in Vietnam, there were uh, many different kind of tours. I'm very active and I always try to do something more for tourists. But, um, you know, on bus tour... The only thing you can do for tourists is talk on a bus, take them to right. tourist area, yeah, uh, and and I tell you that we get a lot of pressure from shopping and like that. Yeah, and you said sometimes <laughs> they even you have to go into a shop. Yeah, it's part yeah. Of the deal. You know that's the way we do tourism in different countries is very different. I I don't I don't say at bad, but uh, I want to be active and show tourists more about. Real Vietnam. Right. So um, one day I I have a lunch at the same place with cycling tour. And I feel that very special because I, before I work for a soccer club and I love doing sport. I, and I look at that group. Uh, I, I know that. I that, that time I, I really realized that that's something I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I came to talk to the tour guy, biking tour guy. As a... Um, Mr. G, I still remember him, and uh, I asked him, uh, "Hello, brother, and how is everything? And I want to be like you. What should I do? Any advice for me?" Yeah. And he said, uh, first you buy a bike and try to have fun with it." Yeah. And uh, my first bike cost me a hundred dollar, but that very big size. Yeah. <laughs> I, Probably I, heavy. And yeah, my size might be pedal. S, but I have no experience, so um, I. Came to the market and I found second-hand bike. It looked good. Uh, that's very old road bike. It's L size. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm still I'm still very happy with it. And I took it to work to have fun. Tried to join to some bike club in Saigon, and I could say I love it. Yeah, um, this is one of my favorite parts <laughs> of your story because you. You got some advice, you saw something that you wanted to do, and this is a major change from the bus to the bike tour industry. Bike Being a bike tour guide is hard, you know? You have to be good at biking, you have to know the science and everything. And you literally just asked this guy for advice, and got a bike, and just started riding again. Yeah. And it changed your entire life. Yeah, it, it, it really changed. And uh, I really love cycling, because uh, it makes me feel healthier and more active. And... Um, one day, the company I work for looking for a biking guy because they uh, they saw a bike trip, but I have no experience and I could not find a biking guy. Yeah. Uh, that trip was very special. Ten days from Saigon to Central Vietnam, Hue, which is about eleven hundred kilometers away. Woo. And every day uh, from eighty k to hundred k. <laughs> That's right. So this is your not only your first. Yeah. Tour, but it's a 10 day mega trip through yeah. most of Vietnam. And we were yeah. in Hue, and that's a really, really long way away. Even by train, 
That's a long way away. Yeah. And you had to bike it, and you're new to biking, and you're a whole tour guide. But, once again, sounds like you just kind of dove in and <laughs> yeah, saw what yeah. happened. You know, that time I, I was uh, 24, so I believe I can do many different things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I got uh, a lot of pressure after I, I received that tour. So, uh, one week before the tour, I did a lot of searching and a lot of calling from from my colleague. Yeah. Uh, with the uh, paper and the map, I try to plan where we can cycle and how many kilometers a day. And, uh, yeah, because and finally, no technology. Yeah, no technology. So no Google Maps. You had, no you Google no Maps. No, no. And finally, my uh, clients, Amen from Holland. Yeah. They, they were really serious cyclists. Oh, Holland comes back again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Holland come back, yeah, because my uh, my family in Holland. And, yeah, another key moment yeah, in Holland. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they they knew that I'm, I'm, I'm just a newcomer for cycling. But I love to cycle, but a lot of technique, I have no idea. So, uh, but I'm very lucky I met very good group. They... Uh, after a few days, they said, Ty, you don't have to cycle in front of us. You can stay in between. And they shared with me how to cycle in the group and how to save my power and how to use the gears. Yeah. They, they're they really serious. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun together. And they, they made a video. Yeah, so uh, they were really helping you out, learn the yeah. basics, because yeah. no one in your company that you worked at has done this before. So you really were just going in completely blind. You had no idea. And this 10 days was almost a crash course in how to be a really good cycle guy. So it was almost a jump start in a career that wasn't really here in Vietnam before. And in one trip, you turned into an almost an expert yeah, in the I, field. I really learned a lot from them. And after the trip, they also gave me some gears, like a pedal and gloves. And also a cycling pen. I never had that before. I yeah. just cycle with my sport clothes, but no right, no right cycling gear. Oh man, and I know just yeah. riding in shorts can yeah. be really tiring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in a lot of wrong places. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 2009, I really um, one of my very first cycling trip, and I I fall in love with it. And uh, yeah, it seems like you just took off from there. Yeah. You came back, and then you started. Well, you were still freelancing, but as bike tours became more popular, you got business, tours, and more experience. And you did this for a long time, almost 10 years, right? Yeah, for, yeah, nine years. Yeah, yeah, that great experience. And one of my, uh, my experience that New Year, the same year, New Year, I, have, I received a group from Australia. Yeah. Um, I was so happy because... I volunteer to lead the group during New Year, and they pay double. And great group that people from Australia. But um, New Year's Day Eve, when I sit with them for dinner, and I, by chance I listen to the music about New Year in Vietnam. Yeah. And um, when the singers and wherever you go, whoever you are, you should be back to your family for New Year. I cry. I cry really. Really uh, a lot. That's imagine. that's the first new year I away from home and on my duty. I, I knew that that what I wanted to do, but still, 
could not control, could not control. And uh, every single of my client give me a hug and, you know, they encourage me. And But I, I, I cry, but I feel that I'm, I'm happy. I do that. I do what I love to do. Yeah, and just to give the listeners some, some background, yeah. the New Year, the Vietnamese New Year Tet is a very, very Family. big holiday where everyone, Saigon, giant city becomes, there's no one there because everyone goes home. Yeah. It's a five-day celebration. You even said that your parents worked 360 days out of the year because the last five days yeah. that they have off were for the New Year. Yeah. So it's a very serious holiday. And this is your first time that you weren't at home. And that must have been hard for you because you're chasing this dream. Yeah. You're trying to do what you love. And sometimes it, you do have to sacrifice some family time in order to chase what you really want. But how did you, it seems like you had a good group, that they were there behind you. But I know that that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of people struggle with that when they're trying to make big choices. So how did you continue on or get yourself to keep moving forward when it must be hard you're missing your family how did you mentally just power yourself to just keep going knowing the fact that you might have missed some new years or some family time straight away when i came to tourism school my teacher explained to us that if you work as tour guide you must sacrifice that and sometimes i feel mom i have duty i have work to do but I come back after. And, you know, first year when I absent from home, everybody tried to call me. Yeah. And from second year, third year, they, they all knew that I yeah, away from home. But, you know, that's, that's what the guy must sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. So you made that consciously, the decision. Yeah. To keep going and yeah. keep chasing what you what you want to do yeah because um, work as a freelance tour guy we can decide it, uh, we can decide when will you have your own holiday yeah so, so next year I'm, I'm smarter I uh, I cut off like two weeks before New Year so I came home for two weeks before New Year ah perfect really, yeah. yeah really enjoy my time with my family and then I take off during New Year that's okay my mom she really understand that yeah so there's different ways to, to yeah. get around it yeah. and everything. And yeah. now, I mean, all of that work, the nine years in the industry, that infamous lunch where you just asked how to be a cyclist from your first bike, you have started your own company here in Saigon Yeah. and are really trying to make your mark. You obviously have a lot of connections and building this business slowly. But if you look back and... Did you ever expect to be sitting here with your own business in complete control of your tours like you are now? Yeah. I'm very active and creative. And sometimes I try to bring new things on my tour. So, for example, make a video clips for tourists and um, sometimes organize cooking class or organize something special for clients. But sometimes it's misunderstood, and uh, and my company try to control that. Say, Thai should not put any new ideas on my trip. Yeah. That you you here to work for us, not not to make things. We have a set thing control. that we do, and yeah. this is the thing that you do. Yeah. Nothing else. Yep. And um, second thing is, um, 
sometimes uh, some company they advertise a lot about biking trip but they never done it before and when clients came to Vietnam they receive the bike which not like what they advertised before yeah they disappointed and kind of they they not really know who stay behind this company but they just met me yeah and and I I feel like oh that um, I can do better yeah you just were not given the resources to actually make a difference and give the, these people a great tour and show them real Vietnam which was the whole point and I gotta say the tour did exactly that man what what a good time that we had yeah I was a, I was um, telling Ben the other tour guide that when you think of a tour when you usually go on a tour and they say oh you know the food is included you expected like a little meal here and there there's so nothing so significant we got fed <laughs> every single meal to the point where I was about to explode <laughs> and it was also good I, I couldn't recommend this company um, anymore because it's been such a ride because we we love food and you know um, Vietnamese food famous in Vietnam we say Vietnamese food is good yeah <laughs> uh, but how good if you be on our trip you are our clients our friends so we try something we, we try to bring you, you know, real experience of our Vietnam taste. Yeah. And of course, if you can enjoy the food, 30-40% for sure, you will enjoy the trip. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was more, it was a food tour, bike tour, culture tour, everything tour, wrapped up in one yeah. in a four-day crash course of Vietnam. And wow, we had a really good time. So to end the show, I always like to have a final message from the people that come on the show. And I know that a lot of people listening right now are chasing something, maybe chasing a bigger dream, starting a business, doing something, and are really struggling with the sacrifices, the other time away from family, missing holidays, not having the social life that they once had. As someone that's gone through that and had to combat all the sacrifices, what would you say to someone that's struggling with that right now as they chase what they want? I think uh, every job you have to sacrifice and um, and tour guide is very special job and for me it's a beautiful job. Honestly I cannot say if my company can survive in the next five years or not. Yeah, but so, what, what would you, I, how do you get through that then? Um, I, I hope I hope to make uh, my own group, people who same hobby, try to to do more for tourists. So, a lot of people they study and they want to stay at the aircon. But cycling cycling tour make closure and show more for for tourists. It really is your love of cycling and you know what it brought to your life. At the same time, that really makes you. Keep on going. Yeah. Well, Ty, thanks for coming on the show. I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. And for everyone listening out there, go check out Mr. Biker Saigon. You will not be disappointed. One of the best tours that I have been on in a very, very long time. So thank you for the awesome tour. You know, we'll be back. We'll be back. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you to uh, to support us and... Uh, Thank you for coming to Vietnam. Of course. Thank you for teaching me everything that you 
you've experienced in your life in Vietnam. It's been a wonderful experience. And everyone listening out there, check it out. If you want to learn about the real Vietnam, go to Mr. Bakri Saigon. It's the best place to do it. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. See you. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Oyster World Radio. And thanks again to Hangman Thai for coming on the show. What an amazing bike tour for the Kong Delta. Check out the links in the show description to book your own. Keep up to date on everything going on in the big sabbatical on Instagram at Nathan.Wanders and in the blog of my partner in crime, Jackie Gishbacher at gishoutofwater.com. Check out the links in the show description for more information. Special thanks to Charlie Milken for all of the Oyster Jams. Check him out on Spotify or at charliemilken.com. That's M-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. Don't forget to support the show on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N at patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind the scenes plus some travel tips. So sign up today. Don't miss out. Thanks again for tuning into Oyster World Radio. We'll be back in two weeks. But until then, this is Nathan Lieberman signing off. I can't take control of my life If I'm too busy looking at the stars And thinking about all time that's gone by It's time for a change In my day-to-day scene Time to turn around from that clock Face the mirror and change